Good evening, Mr. Taylor. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good evening, Mr. Claywell. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little worried about our friend. Uh, I just want to say, first off, thanks for coming in and uh, sitting down with me. Uh, I want to apologize to everybody out there that listens. It's been a while since we've been able to get an episode out. Uh, Mr. Ham has been under the weather. He's made a couple of posts on the Facebook page about it. Uh, if you don't have Facebook or don't follow us on that uh, particular social media, uh, what's going on is he's just a little under the weather. He's having some medical issues. It's preventing him from getting out and about. Either that or he's just slacking. Or he just hates me and doesn't want to see me anymore. That's <laughs> that's always a possibility, I guess. No, he, he is feeling pretty bad. And so Mr. Taylor here has agreed to come in and so we can get get some material out, get something out for you guys to listen to. I've been a little tense. I'm worried about I'm worried about Mr. Ham. So I thought we might start off with a little something that you kind of introduced me to here. By accident, actually. Well, in a roundabout way. So uh, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I'm kind of a nerd. I like to read. And by read, I mean listen to audiobooks. And uh, Mr. Taylor here was telling me the last time he visited before we started recording about a book series that he listens to called the Iron Druid Chronicles. And I stumble over that every time I try to say it. Yep. Uh, by Kevin Hearn. Uh, I started listening to the first book and I have a bit of a compulsion issue. Uh, anybody that knows me in, 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 in real life, you know that I'm kind of a, a whiskey and bourbon guy. Uh, I do enjoy the brown liquor. Some of it's and, pretty good. I can handle some of it. Right. And so in this book series, they keep talking about this this particular whiskey that they're drinking called Tullamardew. And that's the way they say it. I would look at that and say Tullamore do, but they kind of run it all together. It's a very light colored whiskey. It's an Irish whiskey. It says triple distilled. Uh, it looks about the color of a Basil Hayden's, which is promising to me because I do. I am a pretty big fan of Basil Hayden's. Uh, but I thought we might sample this, see what we think about it. And uh, maybe it'll relax us a little bit so we can get into the conversation some. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this up here. I'm sitting here looking at the wiki page of it because it's just not much information I know about it. It's actually the second largest selling brand of Irish whiskey whiskey globally, with sales over nine hundred fifty thousand cases per annum. Wow. Okay. Well, like I said, it's a very light colored whiskey, distilled, matured, and bottled in Ireland. And it is the original blended Irish whiskey embracing of all three types of Irish whiskey, golden grain, pot still, and malt. And we got a 40% alcohol by volume here. It was established it's, in 1829. Wow, that's their distillery. Old. I'll pour us a couple of little snorts here. And if you don't like it, sir, you don't have to drink it. But well, that's okay. I want to taste I'll it. Gladly try it. So it's so the dew is derived from Daniel E. Williams. He was the right. general manager and the late that's, owner. Yeah, that's the name on the label here. D. E. Williams. So I wonder what the Tullamore is. Hmm. It's got a little bit of burn. Not too bad. And it's not got that dreaded sour mash taste that some of our whiskey here has. Yeah, that uh, that rusty nails, uh, kind of strong tannins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of that. Like I do not like Jim Beam. 
oh no you know um, um it's got a a very clean flavor mm-hmm. reminds me it does remind me a lot of um woodford but not a sweet a little bit more bite yeah the the tingling burning sensation is hanging on to my mouth for quite a while here <laughs> yeah it's not bad though definitely not bad yeah it's a pretty light flavor and may, who knows maybe this will make it sound even better get that nice whiskey <laughs> coating relax the vocal cords a little bit uh improve the listening experience for anybody out there yeah what you know the funny thing is is what mr ham's going to miss why he's not here yeah he, he would probably be a fan of this it's uh it's pretty good i would say it's it's it is it does kind of resemble basil hayden's actually in, in flavor I'm, i think i think I, basil hayden's is a little more floral this doesn't quite have those kind of floral notes to mm-hmm. it but hey, you know i'm kind of a noob when it comes to to whiskey so i just recently started even drinking it because this tells you how much of a whiskey noob that i am that i kind of just associated sour mash with all whiskey which i found out is not the case not always it can be the case though yeah i think i'm gonna like that that was not money wasted and it's not very expensive um i don't remember exactly what i paid for it was less than 30 dollars for not about bad. 750 mil so not bad at all yeah i like it yeah it's pretty good it's a it's a decent drinking whiskey. Uh, I, I I take mine room temperature neat. That's just the way I prefer it, and it definitely goes down really smooth that way. Uh, I think it would also be pretty good on ice. I don't know. Don't think it'd be a good mixing whiskey. Yeah, I don't think it'd be very good for mixing. It's it it doesn't have that bold of a flavor which i think i think like a coke would almost drown out the yeah the uh, that's one of the things with woodford is it's a very smooth clean flavor but it's also very good at mixing you know you can still taste it when you mix it right right one of one of i, I would uh, this is going to be jumping on the bandwagon with everybody else but one of my favorite whiskeys that i've ever had and, and i'm not talking about pappy i can't afford like <laughs> pappy but the old rip van winkle line has a 14 year that it's it's only like $40 a bottle it's not the 200 and something dollar a bottle pappy uh, but it's the same basic premise now that is probably my favorite I've ever had when you smell it I'm I'm not kidding when you hold that glass up and take it take a whiff it smells like leather hmm it smells like a good leather coat but when you drink it the flavor that just lingers on your palate is caramel. Interesting. Uh, it, it's a totally unique experience. But I got to say, Tullamore is a very clean. It's a light flavor. If you've ever had Basil Hayden's, it really reminds me of that. It's not. I've had Bushmills, which is the other really popular Irish whiskey. And I think Bushmills has a little bit more of that sour mash flavor. Yeah, and that I can't do. Uh, it's not as strong as something like Bean, but... Bushmills just definitely has that. This does not. I don't. This think. I can I drink. Um, just like I can, I can actually just straight up drink uh, Woodford without any issues. And yeah, I can drink it room temperature and neat as well. So right, cool. So if uh, this one gets my personal recommendation for what's that's worth, I've never done this on a podcast before. Uh, I'm not sponsored or anything by Tullamore Dew or D. E. Williams. Just 
because of uh, Mr. Taylor here recommending the Iron Druid Chronicles and listen to that. And they talk about that a lot. And then I had to go try it. Just like uh, when I read American Gods by Neil Gaiman, all they talk about mead, 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 mead. Had to go try some mead. I had to go try some mead. Jesus, that was a terrible decision. <laughs> have you ever had mead? Yes, I have. It tastes like honey and pickle juice. I've had, actually, I've had. Um, or at least the one I was able to find. That's what it tastes like. Some, I've had some homemade mead, and I'm not a fan of it. It's not that the guy, that a, a buddy of mine that made it did bad. It's just, it just wasn't a good taste for me. Yeah. Like I said, to me, it tasted like honey and pickle juice. Yeah. I just, uh, I couldn't. I, I, I bought a fifth of it because that's the size. Or it was. I guess it wasn't a fifth. It was like a wine bottle is what this one came right. in. And I couldn't even finish one glass of it. I just had to dump it down the drain. This, is this, however, I will probably finish. Not quickly because I, no, I value my liver these days anyway. But, yeah. So that, that's pretty good. I like it. Yes. Uh, it, again, yeah, and it's pretty thank good. you for recommending the books. Uh, You're so far, I've only listened to the first book, but it was it was really entertaining. They, uh, the the whole series stayed just like that. Good. Good. Uh, At least in my opinion, it does. I'm interested. I, I like the the take on the Irish mythology. Mm-hmm. I like that. And uh, I'm interested to see where that goes and if they carry on with the... Because I don't really know anything about the specific different deities right. in Irish folklore. You know how Dresden so, Files kind of tie all their books together? Right. You're going to have the same thing done with these. Um, they're, they're all tied together. Some of the books are almost a day, you know, this day ends, this day begins, book ends, book starts kind of thing. Oh, nice. So Very it good. kind of almost resembles Dresden Files. And that's that's why I liked it, because at the time Dresden Files were done, there wasn't another book out to read. So I went hunting for something else and found the Iron Druid. And I think it's I think it it is in a similar vein without feeling like a ripoff. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know it's it it has that kind of same feel of a modern day. I, I want to say like it's like a modern day wizard noir kind of yeah. I mean I mean kind of like the old hard boiled detective books you yep. know but with a wizard instead of a like a traditional Sam Spade type detective right. Uh, and it has that same kind of feel, and I'm so far I'm liking the side characters. Yeah, um, uh, so I can't think of a character that I've seen. The in- only one that I'm a little on the fence on is Oberon. I, it's it's a little hammy, it's a little. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, but in the first book, oh oh, by the way, Oberon is his uh, dog. Just wait. Well, I'm sure it gets better, but I'm just saying in the first book it comes across a little hammy. Uh, so hopefully that gets better. But other than that, uh, the rest of the characters are great. The book series, I so far recommend it. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, in the book, he's fighting against Angus Og, mm-hmm. who, I mean, pardon my language here, folks, but the guy's just an ass. He is. He's a horrible person. And uh, I'm just kind of curious, you know, like I, co- I come across this sometimes day-to-day life. Today, for example, it happened. And... We as human beings are allegedly a very social creature. You know, we're supposed to feed off the energy and crave social interaction and being around other people. You know, uh, they say that like 
being in total isolation is, you know, when they when they take prisoners and put them in complete isolation in these maximum security prisons, it's, that's borderline psychological torture just by depriving them of having any kind of interaction with another person. And I'm just kind of curious as, you know, as a, a species that is supposed to require that kind of interaction to survive why are so many people assholes yeah i think that's the the question that everybody wants an answer to which they're not going to get that answer <laughs> i mean why i, I guess uh, you know maybe this is more rhetorical conversation than actual answer seeking but just i try to i'm not perfect at it i make mistakes but why can't people just treat others as they would expect to be treated I mean, it sounds so simple. Yeah. I mean, you're a parent. Yeah. It's, and and I'm sure you try to instill those types of values in your children. Oh, yeah. You know, I tell my kids all the time, treat people the way you want to be treat, treated yourself. And it doesn't always work. They don't. It's, you know, it's, it's like I tell them. I said, you know, inherently, you know, kids are both good and bad they're jerks that are kids their kids are jerks out there they just it's just right. the way it is yeah but i just i don't it just seems like some people go out of their way to be rude oh yeah like, and and i don't understand as you know as a being that's supposed to crave social interaction how does that how does that jive like, how do you treat somebody like garbage and then expect people to want to hang around you? I just, I, I, you know, and like I said, it's rhetorical, I guess. I don't really expect you to have all the answers, oh, right. but I mean, I'm just, I don't know. It just hit me the other day and, you know, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about things and, and that just hit me. It's like, as, as, as a, a race, how does that even happen? How how I guess not a race as a species, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If, if you, if being isolated from other uh, others of your species is emotionally and psychologically damaging, how do you then treat everybody in a way that intentionally would drive them away from you? It just seems like evolution would sort that out so that that wasn't a problem so that, the people that were like that wouldn't further the gene pool. I, I don't know. Well, you know, it makes sense in a way and it doesn't make sense. You know, there's people who they expect that no matter what they say or do, that they're going to get certain things or be treated a certain ways. Um, they just, it just is, you know, um, you know, without going into too much details on stuff that I don't want to talk about, you know, for the public, right. um, you know, everybody gets to deal with it. You know, I have stuff close to home that I get to deal with when it comes to, you know, listening to crap, you know, when it comes to from people like that. So as far as when it comes to, I don't know, um, why people treat people like that, people are assholes in general, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and and I'm not saying everyone is right. that way, but I just don't, I don't get it from a, just purely from an evolutionary genetic survival place. Like you would just think 
those types of genes would die out. Well, yeah, you would. It it actually seems the exact opposite. It seems like our society is getting more of those genes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't understand how that happens. You know, yeah. However you look about it, you know, whatever you feel when it comes to religion, politics, whatever, um, there's those people that they always think that they should have just anything handed to them because they are who they are whether they're somebody big or not. And that kind of ties into those genes. Like, oh, look, I'm me. I'm special. I should have this. Not necessarily, you know, just work for it. All right. Okay. So you, you say that now as as a parent, and I'm speaking totally out of hand here. Never had kids. Right. Probably at this point, never will. <laughs> never say never. Uh, I, I, just say look probably. At, look at Mr. Ham. Never say just, never. Just say probably. <laughs> well, he is married. Well, still, I'm not even seeing anyone. So I'm just saying it's not looking good. Uh, Sorry, mom. I forgot where I was going. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, About having kids. Right. I don't know. Wow. That's just totally gone. (laughs) I have that. I tend to have that effect on people sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I kind of squirrel and change the subject. No, no, you were like, I was going with you on it and I had a question because of just my complete lack of experience, but now it's gone. I can't remember where that spark went. Hmm. So you were just saying that people just kind of expect things to be given to them. And this the, the pops into my head, you know, cause I'm talking genetics. Right. And I'm just curious because you hear a lot of stuff these days about these millennials. Mm-hmm. So now that just sparks up these whole other kinds of questions oh, in yeah. my head, right? So throughout history, it's always been you kids these days, you got no appreciation. Always. Now it's just like the people of that age are don't want to sound like their parents, so they don't say you kids these days. They just say you millennials instead. No. Well, yes, but I still say, I jokingly say, look, you kids, get off my lawn. So I'm that old person that does that now. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Right, right. But I mean, you know, it's it's like the like the proverbial old man blaming the kids these days right. for all the faults. But it's just like now, instead of saying kids these days, it's millennials right. because it doesn't sound, they don't want to sound like their parents. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, but my question is, and I was talking about this with somebody else the other day, is that though, like are millennials, those are finger quotes for you listening. Uh, are they actually any worse than any other generation of kids growing up have been? And, and second point, second question, if they indeed are worse, is it their fault? I mean, haven't they kind of been raised with exact, participation my, trophies yeah, exactly. and you're special and all like constantly being told that you deserve it. You're special. You know, everybody wins. Like, exactly. I mean, is, is it really the kid's fault for feeling that way after they've been told that their entire lives? I mean, no, you know, in my opinion, it's not, um, um, an online buddy of mine. Um, we just the other day had a conversation with a few of us on, on one of his streams while he was going, about like talking about participation awards and you know oh if you play you get a trophy and right. we've we, we all discussed how that's the most 
utterly worst piece of crap that anybody could ever have done. You know, yeah, if I mean, you're going to get so. a trophy, yeah. you earn it. You know, exactly. okay, it's different if you give somebody participation awards and stuff like that, but don't make them, don't expect them to get a trophy just because they played. Well, because I mean, look, look what that does for them as adults. Mm-hmm. They go to work and they, well, I showed up. Well, yeah, you showed up, but you didn't do the job. Exactly. It, I mean, it just seems like their whole upbringing has prepared them to do nothing but fail. Right. Like, because they expect to just, do the bare minimum and right. be treated exactly like the people that excelled. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, it comes down to they think they can frankly do a half ass job and get credit for doing the whole job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, is it their fault though? Like like is it are these millennials lazy or is that just the way they've been taught how the world works their entire lives? In my opinion, it's just, it's how they were taught. It's their upbringing. You know, they, this is from a parent folks, not me. It's what has been ingrained in them. You know, um, like you said, you know, um, they were given this, they were given that they were taught this, they were taught that. So it's not that they're not good people. It's not that they don't try to be, kind or whatever but they just oh look all my life every time i snap my finger i had a meal in front of me and i didn't have to do anything with it um snap my finger oh it's not there uh now i'm pissed kind of thing yeah yeah well like growing up i could tell my mom to go jump off a cliff and i hated her why can't i treat my boss that way exactly you know it it just seems like it's you know maybe maybe there was uh, (laughs) a Sorry, I just went a little Louis C.K. there, but you know, of course they should do what they're being paid to do. But maybe if they hadn't been trained their whole lives, that they could do whatever they want and everything would work out fine. Exactly. Um, there was, and I don't, I, I can't give credit where it was due, so I don't know if this was a YouTube video or if this was a TV show or what. But there was a girl, or even a commercial, but there was a girl that had headphones on and or something. And she was having a conversation on her phone or something in class and the teacher was trying to get her to stop and stuff. And she says, excuse me one minute. I just need to finish my conversation thinking that she could just finish this conversation in the middle of class instead of doing her work. Right. And I'm like, yeah, see, that's the kind of thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. But, but that's, I guess that's, that's just, uh, you know, my version of nature nurture, right? Is, is it because that girl, just thinks she's better than everybody else or is it because you know her entire life has been do whatever you want things will work out you're you're special you're great everything's awesome exactly um you know and to go back on that you know it kind of just clicked as to what it was from and that was actually from the new jumanji movie oh okay the very beginning of it you know when if you've seen it um, no i haven't seen it the The one with the rock and kevin hart it's actually a really funny movie um one of the one of the main stars is just sitting there in class having a conversation with her girlfriend and the teacher is just wanting her to stop and ends up sending her to the office because of it. And she didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Hmm. So it's all it's just what they're accustomed to. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's the same as my, my it's the same as my son. Um, he's 10 and growing up and this is partly my fault to blame, but the way he's been raised and all that he's used to saying, Hey, I want this, or can I have this? And he 
wants it now. Right. He doesn't do too well when you tell him, okay, hold on a minute or get it yourself. You're old enough to get it or whatever. Right. He kind of has his own meltdowns yeah. and that's partly my fault there. Well, well, yes and no. Children by and large uh, do tend to have a big problem with delayed gratification. Right. Uh, so it's not just your fault. That is the brain of a child, which, uh, you know, technically until you're about 20, your brain is still a child's brain. So I'm lumping a lot of people in there with that. Uh, but yeah, until you're about 18, 20 years old, your brain is still basically a child's brain. You don't have the full cognition, the full reasoning. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I've read know, that, you know, lobe and area. by all means, I know I'm not a professional when it comes to that. So that's just things that I've read. And yeah. Right. So and even being a parent doesn't make me a professional about it because there's still no, things I don't you, know. Well, right. But I feel when I make observations and I try not to be judgmental. Right. But it's easy to come back at me and say, well, you don't know shit. You don't have a kid. Which is true. I don't. And I, I've never had experience around children. I, I don't. Ha I have stepsisters and I did have a half brother, uh, but I was never really around much. Right. And I'm not a, a lot older than they are. So I wasn't like, you know, you take care of the right. kids kind of a thing. Uh, so I've just never had the, the exposure experience with children. So when I make those kind of observations, it's very easy for even for myself to say, well, what do you know? You've never gone through it. So just to have to be able to talk it out with a parent. Yeah. And, and, and just see that, you know, maybe there is a little bit to it. That Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, is, you know, for anybody who's not a parent who thinks about being a parent, you know, newsflash, you're never going to be good at it. You know, it's every <laughs> you fail. It's it, it's it's just the way it is. You're going to your kids are going to look at you when they get older, like because you did something really stupid and maybe it is really stupid and it's just live and learn. Just so, go with the flow. This is just totally off topic from anything we had scheduled to talk about, by the way. But I just, I'm, I'm just so many things have made me curious now. <laughs> uh, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. That's fine. Uh, but uh, your your kids are like what ten and my son's ten. My daughter just turned thirteenth. Thirteen. Okay. I was going to say fourteen. My daughter just turned thirteen. There we go. So okay. The so they're they're, they're like reasoning age. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, you can explain things to them. Now. Yeah. And uh, so have you ever looked at them and just said, hey, I goofed up. That was my mistake. You were right. Is, yeah, is that, I have. Is that, I mean, is that awkward? It, it feels weird. It does feel weird. Um, but there's been times when um, my daughter has said, said, said something mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. Oh, wait. No, actually, that is it. Oops. Sorry. My bad. Kind of thing. And she's like, dad, see, I told you. All right. So, so see, you're that's that's big enough that you can say, oh no, you were right. Right. Like from from my father, that would have never happened. Like he would go into the grave, <laughs> the, the sky is orange, you know. And I'm like, no, dad, it's blue. Like, right. And no, you know, he would never admit. I'll admit, I'm stubborn. If if I think I'm right, I will argue till I'm blue in the face. Blue in the face. Ugh, can't speak. Um, but even if I think I'm right. But if I'm shown that I'm not right, then yeah, I'll admit it. Um, there's also there's times when my me admitting it might be yeah, I'm sorry, or 
you know, I can't come out and say you were right always in those exact words. I'm right. like, yeah, my bad. It kind of hurts to admit sometimes that you're wrong, I but yeah, of course. in one way or another, I do. Okay, cool. I'll just, I'm just curious. Uh, sorry. Totally. No, that's, topic. that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, we're talking like a little bit, kind of, I mentioned millennials a couple of times mm-hmm. and people talk about how they're lazy and you can't get them to work and you can't get them to do this and they don't know anything. And, and all this stuff. And I was recently listening to another podcast, uh, Dan Carlin. He does a, a show. He does several, but my favorite of his is one called Hardcore History. And he'll do like these deep dives on major historical events. Uh, and a recent one that he's doing is about Japan during World War II. And like the culture, you know, the, the first episode is, is out. And it was more of a background of Japan, like through feudal history you know, the Shogun era and all that stuff. And it, it just like, so, you know, we got the millennial, the lazy millennials, as we'll say in finger quotes here. And he's talking about these Japan from like 1940s era uh, and, and the culture that led up to that. And okay. I'm just wondering, is it a cultural thing? Uh, and it seems that maybe it could be. Uh, even today, when you think about Japan, uh, typically people think, you know, a very honorable, typical, you know, typically you will think of like a very honorable uh, type of people. Right. That they value their honor. Like they they put a lot of, a lot of importance on their sense of their honor and how other people view them. Like, you know, I'm not a liar. I'm honorable. I do what I say. That kind of thing. And I mean what I, I mean what I say kind right. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, hardworking, you know, crazy work hours, work right. ethics and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, how, like, is that, I, I mean, I guess obviously you can, because you look at these people and this is something that, that Dan Carlin was talking about that just blew my mind. And I'd never heard of this before. And so world war two ended in what? Uh, 1945, right? Mm, something like something, that. Yeah, like August. I think August 1945. Yep. Uh, World War Two ended, and uh, there were several soldiers uh, scattered around the Pacific Islands, different places from the th- the Pacific theater of war. Uh, but this one particular guy was like a a very special case holdout. This guy, and I, I'm probably gonna pronounce this wrong, but Hiro Anoda, or if you're Japanese, Anoda Hiro. <clears throat> was held out on a Philippine island until 1974, people. Was that 29 years? 29 years, almost 30 years after World War II ended. This guy was in a little foxhole that he had set up for himself in the Philippines, actively combating the Philippine people by himself. He was killing people. I don't just mean like he was, you know, hold up, not talking, not doing nothing. No, he was out there like still killing people for 29 years after the war ended. And this wasn't just a crazy man stuck in. This happened quite a bit. There were several small companies of soldiers throughout even the 60s that they were still finding that were in active combat as far as they were concerned. How do you get a society of people that are this dedicated, 
hardworking, focused, you know. And then we wind up with allegedly lazy millennials. Like I'm just <laughs> just blows my mind. And and this guy, uh, Mr. Anoda, was not just like they sent actual Japanese military officers to the Philippines to find him and tell him, look, the war is over. You need to come home. Well, they dropped flyers and stuff too, I think, on him. Yeah, they dropped magazines, newspapers, flyers, showing that the war was over, that they sent letters and pictures from his family. He all thought it was fake. He thought it was all faked. He was, because his commanding officer, when they dropped him off on the island, said, hold this position until I come and tell you that you are relieved of duty. From what I read, he even refused. He even made him and made him, I don't know how, I don't remember how he put it, but basically he told him he's not allowed to, to commit here carry. Yeah. You, he's not allowed yeah. to kill himself. You can't kill yourself. You got to stay here and hold this position and kill anybody that comes near and I'll be back to relieve you. 29 years later, the Japanese government had to go find this guy's original commanding officer who was now like a tailor or a plumber or something, just, you know, retired. It's 30 years after the war. He's out of the military. He's living a civilian life now. <laughs> they had to go find this guy, find a period uh, appropriate uniform, put this guy in his original, like, you know, restore his rank and everything, put his insignia on, fly this dude to the Philippines, so that he could go find Hiro Onoda and tell him, you are hereby officially relieved of your post. And that was then and only then did this guy relinquish his firearm and surrender his post and return to civilian life. To me, that is just insane. I mean, and when and thirty years later, when they when they, when he finally left, they went to collect all the supplies. He still had over a thousand rounds well, of yeah, live see, ammunition says, and a perfectly serviceable weapon. He said he it said he had a his functioning Arasaka Type ninety nine rifle, five hundred rounds of ammunition, and several hand grenades, as well as the dagger his mother had given him in forty four to kill himself if he was captured. Oh yeah, 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 and that's yeah. So I mean, like, like I mean, so you got the Jap like what. Uh, you get the Japanese people and the Spartans, like on a par, as far as I'm concerned. Because I mean, you know, the classic Spartan phrase uh, when they would go off to war was "come back carrying your shield or on it." Right. Either come back victorious or dead. dead. And this guy, imagine, imagine you're 18 years old. You're going off to war. Your mom hands you a gun and says, "If somebody captures you, shoot yourself in the head." Never. That would never happen. Not here, at least. This guy's mom is like, if they capture you, kill yourself with this knife. Yes, yeah, stab yourself. What? Like, what? <laughs> it just, it blows my mind how fanatical. I, I mean, I don't, what, what would the word be? That Like these people you know, are about their, I'm not gonna their say sense it, of duty. I'm not going to say it's fanatical, but it's definitely... I guess how how would I put it? It's definitely up there, as well as, as far as being um, honor bound. It's it's like nothing can happen that will make them change their mind. 
you right. know it's like trying to it's it, it's almost like trying to get my son to clean his room <laughs> it's like no matter what i say sometimes even barring you know threatening him getting a spanking or whatever he will still won't go and do it or when he goes and does it it takes him all day to move four things kind of thing right. so it's 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 crazy it's they're the level that they are honor bound is is insane and i can see why somebody would say almost verging on fanatical yeah but i mean i'm looking at this and saying these guys are this dedicated you know and, and not just this one guy like like i said there were several he was just happened to be the last one that they found right but there were several throughout the 60s that they were finding on these various specific islands so this is like a cultural thing i mean it's not so how like is it even possible like, can we get our society to a place where everybody's willing to work and help out and get along? I don't think I mean, it'll ever happen. The reason maybe be, not. Yeah, well, think about know. it. Think about it. <laughs> Japanese are like that because of their long, lengthy, honor-bound system that they've had as far as time goes back and can remember. Yeah, I would say it does stem a lot from like the code of the Bushido, exactly and the, the samurai. Um, you know, that's just it's it's the way they're raised. It's their it's their society. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, you have the you have the people that are. I guess you can almost say they're like are what people as air quotes say millennials, where they expect you know to be handed whatever and then you have the yakuza you have the 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 bad side of things but overall a lot of people are hardworking and honor bound and it's all due to their their society how they were raised what they're led to to do on top of you know things like respect you know even even a lot of jobs and businesses over there they have you you can be respectful for what you do it may not be the best job in the world but it's what you were raised and taught how to do and you have respect in doing that so they they do really good on yeah the and, things and they, again it's almost like they're fanatical about mm-hmm. their work i mean they work like 80 90 hour work weeks they don't take vacation time they don't it's crazy uh, i mean it's like this almost insane level of dedication to their jobs and it's the same kind of stuff that, you know, with this guy with fighting World War II for 30 years after it was over. And, and it's just. And how he, he can didn't we take, question that at all. No, he and he actively fought against people trying to tell him he was wrong. Yep. I mean, it, it, like, how do we distill a little, you know, not maybe not quite to that level, but maybe a little bit of that into our society? It, I think it would be great. It, I think if we could. If we could get. A small portion of it in there, then yeah, you're, it would be. Yeah, you know, and like treating people you meet out in the world with respect mm-hmm. and not being rude, and you know, something that I've always said, and this is, you know, I've lived in, in some various different spots. You know, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida, um, and I was there until high school, and then I moved to Kentucky. Um, went all through high school and some time after high school in Kentucky, and then moved away to Cincinnati. Well, coming from Kentucky and where we're at, 
you know, my kids, when they've come down to visit, they've been shocked. They're, you know, amazed at how everybody waves and nods and says hi and hello and how are you? And you just right. have these these awesome, just calm, cool and collect conversations with people you don't even know who they are. But then they go back to Cincinnati and they're like, oh, these people are mean. These people are rude. And it's all about, I guess, where they're from. It's all about that area. And that's one reason why when my life took took the the path it took that I came back to this area is because of the type of people it is. Hmm. I wonder if that's just a... I wonder what... Like, why? Why is it different? I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, like, know what, you know what I'm talking about, though. You know, yeah, you, you know, you travel around a lot, and you know, you've probably walked by people, yeah. and nodded your head or said hi, and you don't get a response, or they yeah. completely ignore you, or they jump like you're about ready to steal their purse or something. Yeah. And well, like I used to live in L.A., and like you didn't look at somebody else; you kept your head down. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, and it it it, it is that way. People mm-hmm. are just like way more aggressive and confrontational, mm-hmm. and it's just. I don't, but I, even then, I don't understand it. I don't either. You know, it's uh, and it's it's crazy. You know, I lived in Cincinnati for roughly fifteen years. Um, n- even being up there around the lack of that never stopped. I never stopped doing it. So coming back down here, you know, anytime I walk by somebody or I'm whatever, I nod my head, I wave, I say hi, I say hello, I, you know, and it, it brings upon some really good conversation. Sometimes you meet some really nice people and some really interesting people that way. Yeah, you can. I'll give you that. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's nice. And sometimes it's, it's great. Uh, there's a guy I met one time that this is how he, this is how he introduced himself to me. Hello, I'm the man that wakes up every day in a different world. <laughs> okay. We had the greatest conversation for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And the dude was just such like a chill, nice. I mean, he was, and it's not like I was talking to a crazy homeless guy. This dude was in a suit, tie, very well groomed, just an odd personality but hilarious and very friendly. Like it, we sat and talked for like an hour when I was supposed to be working. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, <laughs> so it was you just, know, and, and now in the way everything is now, you know, it's almost like when you go into certain stores or places or whatever, people are almost afraid to talk to a police officer because of all the, the stuff that's been going on. Right. And, you know, like the other day, I was in a gas station. I, w- I went in there to buy me and the kids some drinks. And there was a cop just buying a couple energy drinks. And, you know, I just looked over at him and made the joke. I'm like, long day, long night. He's like, yes, it's going to be. He's like, I got to get that energy up. And we just had this little conversation until he checked out and left. No big deal. It was a good conversation. But it just shows you that not everybody out there is a bad person or not everybody out there is sheltered to where they don't, you know, talk to them. And that's how you meet the most interesting people sometimes. So you're saying that I need to give people a chance. Oh, everybody should. <laughs> everybody should. All right. <laughs> I'll work on it. 
<laughs> no promises, but I'll work on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, so. Oh, go ahead. I'm no, sorry, I was just going to say it's like my kids. It's like they get shy around people, and I'm like, look, just talk to them, you know. And when they when they find something that they have in common, even if a li- even if it's a little thing, then right. boom, it's like a, a it's like a light switch. Everything just changes right there. Yeah, I have problems with that. I'm not gonna lie. I do have problems talking to people. And you'll I, be surprised. It, I have my own issues when it comes to it. I get nervous when it comes to new 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 circumstances. Yeah. You know, um, like new jobs. Like right. I starting a new job terrifies me. Um, I just do a really damn good job of keeping it on the inside. Yeah. I, yeah. And for me, it's just people. Like mm-hmm. people terrify me. I get all nervous. I can't talk. I can do this. Right. Because it's just, you know, a couple people in my house you know, and we're talking. But if there was like 10 people in here, dude, I'd be sitting over in that corner, just <laughs> head down, sweating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Knees up to my chest, just catatonic almost. I mean, you know, I learned a long time ago. I'm not a comedian. I'm not the, the most funniest person in the world. But I, especially when, if I feel uncomfortable in things, I make jokes. And it's like, well, like I told you the other day about my, you know, on stream, I'm sitting there, I couldn't speak. And I was, you know, instead of saying like 536, I said 546 or whatever it was. Right. And of course, everybody cracked about it. Well, the first thing I did was I laughed about it myself. Yeah. So I made a joke. I, I, I made it about myself. So, yeah. Right on. Uh, and that's a healthy way to deal with it. I'm not going to lie. That's uh, It took practice. It's taken <laughs> practice over the years to do. <laughs> I just... I don't know what it is. Like, I mean, I know. Okay. So when I was a kid, right, my, mm-hmm. my family used to own a like little country store. They sold food, mm-hmm. groceries. They had a, a grill. So they sold, you know, cooked food. Right. Well, uh, we had, we lived, it was down by the lake. So we had live bait. We had minnows and earthworms and stuff in there. Just kind of a general little podunk country store. <clears throat> And when I was a kid, now I don't remember this at all. This is how young I was. But my mom will tell me that I didn't know what a stranger was. People would come in that place from out of town. You know, they were coming down to the lake to right. go fishing or get out on the houseboat or whatever they were doing on the lake. So all these people from all over the place, you know, people I never seen before and would never see again. Mm-hmm. And I would go sit at their table and talk to them. And now, <laughs> oh my God. Like, I got to know somebody for a month <laughs> before I can say hi. I mean, it's, it's so bizarre to me. And I don't know. I, I mean, I know that it's my mind mm-hmm. that's getting in my way. It, it's it's not the other people. It has Because I don't know these people. So they've done nothing to me that would give me a bad impression. Right. But there's just something that goes in my head that, that just, no. That's stupid. That's dumb. You look stupid. That's going to come out dumb. Don't say that. And just over and over and over in my head. And it just stops me. It just, I can't, it just shuts me down completely. I can see it because there's a lot of things that I do that because I've had at times I have my own fair share of that. Um, you know, I'm. If I had to put myself in a, a 
into one of the um into one of the types i actually would more consider myself an introvert than i would anything else because over the years going to public places like you know going to bars it's never been my thing yeah no um it, it still isn't um i always felt nervous when it came to concerts and stuff like that and that's something i'm actually working on right now actively about trying to get over because concerts are, are fun never been um and it's you know so yeah i know what you mean when it comes to that but yeah that's why i on certain things i make you know i make jokes about myself because i can joke about myself openly and it doesn't bother me um and yeah laughing about it and laughter is actually one thing that's helped me through some of that i got you well, speaking of laughter and funny, we, we, we've been talking about way too much serious stuff. <laughs> um, I, I, have you heard about this this interference we're having with one with an upcoming election? And uh, now I'm not talking about Russia. Uh, this has nothing to do with federal, or well, it does have to do with federal, I guess, but it has nothing to do with like any outside government. We'll put it that way. Uh, in the have you, have you heard about this? The fifth, the fifth district uh, Very congressional race in Virginia? I haven't. No, I haven't heard much about it until today. Okay. All right. So if, if nobody else has heard about this, uh, it appears that uh, Sasquatch or uh, you know, Bigfoot, as you may know him, uh, is interfering with this election in the fifth district of Virginia for this congressional seat. Uh, I know it's hard to believe. But apparently that's the case. Now, it's not actually, you know, Sasquatch himself running in saying <laughs> vote vote for this person or that person. Or Sasquatch doesn't have an army of trolls out there on the internet pushing an agenda. Uh, but apparently the Republican candidate for this seat, uh, which does include uh, the Charlottesville, Virginia area, which is recently famous because of the white supremacists marching and beating and killing people. Over right. Uh, but the Republican candidate who is named, where did it go? Um, oh, I lost his name. Where'd he go? Something Riggleman, Denver Riggleman. There it is. This guy's name is Denver Riggleman. That's okay. Anyway, that was tough growing up. I, this guy has to have had a bad life. I'm just saying with a name like that, it's pretty bad. Apparently, this guy, who his running mate, uh, Corey Stewart, has been allegedly cited at several fundraising events with white supremacists. <laughs> but this isn't the issue that we have with this guy. The issue we have with this guy is that apparently he has written a book. And the book just so happens to be a book of... Bigfoot erotica. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to, we're going to ignore the fact that apparently he's involved with white supremacists. That's fine. We're from Charlottesville. What we're going to talk about is he wrote a book. Now, obviously it's a fictional book, but the cover of the book is hilarious. And if you haven't seen it, you need to try to find it. It's, it was originally posted on his own Instagram page, which he has shut down and turned to private. But it's a pencil drawing of a very well-defined ab cut Bigfoot 
and there's a gigantic sensor bar, you know, like the ones you get on TV, the big black bars, kind of hanging down between his legs. I think they might be implying that he has a large penis. Yeah, or a tree. Or, or a small tree between his legs, yeah. Now, the person who brought all this to light would, of course, have to be his opponent. The Democratic nominee, who's named Leslie Cockburn. <laughs> wow. That's right. You can either vote for Leslie Cockburn or Denver Riggleman. And honestly, I, I'm gonna go on a I'm gonna go on a limb and say that none of this would have ever made national news. This is how much faith I have in our media organizations these days. Okay. I think the only reason any of this caught any news is because Leslie Cockburn happens to be the mother of Olivia Wilde. Who, if you don't know who that is, you ever watch the show House? Yes. Okay. Thirteen. Uh, okay. The, the woman that had mm-hmm. the degenerative yep. disease that was going to kill her eventually. Yep. That's Olivia Wilde. Okay. So Leslie Cockburn happens to be her mother. And I honestly think that the only reason we've heard anything about this case is because of that relation. Maybe. It's but seen- I just want to know why is Bigfoot interfering with Congress? Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, yeah, it's Bigfoot. They, Bigfoot with a big dong, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nash, you know, what is it? Animal Planet that's, that that has a, a nice show based around Bigfoot that they oh, still yeah. not hunting, found him yet. Squatch so. or whatever it is with that <laughs> Bobo or whatever that guy's name. <laughs> How many seasons have that been going on? Is it still going on? You know, can't. I, well, he needs to go to Virginia and check out this congressional race. I know. Apparently, apparently Denver Riggleman knows all about where Bigfoot's Bigfoot. at. Yeah. And, and how big yeah. his penis is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, but seriously, I don't even understand. How is this the issue and not the fact that this guy is affiliated, allegedly affiliated with white supremacists? He's running for a major federal political office. I mean, come on. Maybe they're thinking. Maybe the, they're thinking that'll get him votes. The white supremacist towel is just so it's been done too many times already. So they're wow. thinking that if they mention it, people are like, eh, been done. It's 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 already there. It's too retro. But they're thinking, ooh, Bigfoot. And Bigfoot erotica and Bigfoot schlong and you know maybe that's going to get people like oh he's the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Ah, right, here we go. Here we go. This is if you want to if you want to buy it. Apparently this book's out. It's called <laughs> the mating habits of Bigfoot and why women want him. Okay. That's yeah. So that's the from book. the cover, maybe because he has a big penis. I mean, allegedly, maybe it's because I have a small penis, but the women (laughs) I've talked to say that that's not a good thing. I mean, I've asked a few women and and they're like, a a giant penis is bad. Uh, Yeah, I've I've heard that too. I mean, maybe it's because mine's not very big and they're just (laughs) taking pity on me. I don't know. If that's the case, please don't ever tell me that. Just let me live in my own world where, where where I've been led to believe that big is bad I'll just live there let's see here yeah so I'm reading this right here where it says Riggleman was not even supposed to be running for Congress this year 
and was only added to the ballot in June after the seat's Republican incumbent, Tom Garrett, abruptly dropped out of the race amidst a non-Bigfoot-related scandal. Right. Uh, well, he, I think, I could be wrong, I think it was something with sexual misconduct and alcoholism with the Garrett guy. I'm not, I'm not 100%. Why does it seem in general that our politicians are some of the dirtiest people that there ever is? Uh, because they are. Uh, uh, I'm not, okay. yeah, we're not, we're local, not gonna, we're local, not going to talk about politics, but still, I mean, not, not just not specifics, but I, in my opinion, local politics may be okay. Right. But by the time you get to a federal, uh, a high state or federal level of politics, right. Any, anybody in those offices is as corrupt as you could possibly be. Mm-hmm. I can see. They've had to take money from somebody that they owe a favor to that's got them tied down to a specific position in their political career that is not aligned with the best interest of the population. Right. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say I'm for or against anything that's been done in our presidency just because there's too many people that's going to hate. But it's really funny when things that are being thrown at him have been done before and ignored. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's the thing like, Oh, so it doesn't matter that such and such has done it already before. Let's just, we're going to, we're going to throw it at him now just because they don't like him. I'm, you know, that's always the case. It is, you know, but still it's, it's, it's funny on some of the levels of the stuff that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, like I said, I'm not talking specific politics. Exactly. I'm just, but by the time anybody gets to that level, they've had to take money from somebody or they wouldn't be there. Well, yeah. And at that point, they have sold their opinion on whatever that topic is that that person gave them the money for so that now, anytime that specific issue comes up, they're not voting based on the best, the best possible outcome for the population of people that they're allegedly right. representing right. they're voting on the opinion of the person that gave them the money exactly and Which, that's where my problem is like i don't i don't think like republican democrat independent alien personally to me it's, sand, it's just whatever. it's just words it's, it means absolutely jack shit they don't mean anything and party lines really don't mean anything to these people all that matters is the money they've been mm-hmm. given to have whatever opinion they've been paid to have right i think I forgot the number. I used to know the numbers because I, I do care about politics, but I just don't like to talk about politics because it makes so many people mad. I care about politics to the fact of hearing what things people want to do that will benefit normal society. Right. But I think it was something in the neighborhood of 70 odd percent of all the bills that were before Congress mm-hmm. were written by lobbyists. Not the congressman, right. not the congressman's aides. The lobbyists. What's the point of having these people in office? They're not even writing the bills. They're right. not even. They're just taking what the lobbyist gives them and taking it in to be voted on. Right. Like at that point, like it was a comedian's joke, but I still think it's a great idea. Senators and congressmen and all of those people should have to be just like NASCAR. They got little patches on them that say like Tom Warner Cable, you know, 
sponsors. Exxon. They have to they have to list their sponsors. Yeah, right there on their right there on their suit jacket. Yep. Just little patches with everybody that's, that's that giving actually, them money. Yeah. That so would, when so when they come up on a vote of you know okay we're gonna vote on how much money we should give to the oil companies for subsidies this year. Anybody that's got Exxon, Sun, BP, Shell, you guys are out. Yep. You don't get to vote. <laughs> I don't know. I it, like I said, it was a joke, but I think it's I think it's should be done. Well, that yeah, that would make things a lot easier. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing about this whole thing is if you look back at the beginning of the conversation, this conversation has squirreled so much, which well, is yeah, the best way. <laughs> you know, I can't I can't That's the way my brain works. Same here. I you know, I can't I can be sitting here talking about, you know, the walls and how your carpet's awesome and then squirrel, look, there's George, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> so that's usually when you get the, the most interesting stuff is when you're squirreling anyways. Right. And now that we've talked about politics and pissed off everybody, <laughs> shoot us a message over on Facebook and let us know what exactly we said to offend you. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash two minds podcast. Do you want to take any of these? Or you usually need to roll them. Let's roll them. Okay. Cause I'll screw them up. <laughs> Maybe next time. Okay. Or you can find us on Twitter at two minds podcast. Uh, I'm not very active on there because I really don't understand Twitter. Uh, my poor old brain just doesn't get it. Uh, you can email us. The email address is two minds podcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can find this or any of our past episodes on our hosting site, two minds.podbean.com. Now, I know that you said next time, I'll be glad. Yep.